0: Enjoy! Somewhere outside of Nashville, Tennessee,
1: this is the award-winning podcast, Parareality. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for listening tonight. My name, of course, is Sandman, and I'm going to be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call Parareality. Well, it seems like every time I think I've found out everything I can about Anthony Quinn Warner, the man who blew up the historic downtown Nashville block on Christmas Day, I find a, a whole bunch of new information. And that means, of course, that I have to record an episode about it while the info is hot. This makes my uh, third episode in a week on this Nashville bombing So uh, this weekend, there's been several new developments in the case, and quite frankly, with every new piece of information that comes to light, it makes the case just that much more bizarre. So that's what I'm here to talk about, part three of the Nashville Bomber, and to learn more, of course, you'll have to turn on, tune in, and find out. However, before I begin tonight's journey, let me tell you how you can contact me here at the podcast because there are a few different ways that you can go about doing it, and here they are. First of all, you can always email me. That is the quickest and easiest way to get in touch with me here on the podcast. My email address is, of course, sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. You can also always find me on Facebook by going to the Parareality page on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash sandman dot that's facebook.com slash sandman dot and you can follow me on my other social media accounts that's twitter and instagram my username on both of those is at para radio that's at paraeal radio on both twitter and instagram and you can also find me on youtube do have a YouTube channel, got some uh, horrible videos that I posted up there back from whenever I was trying to do my one-man web series. It was definitely not the best uh, thing in the world, but you know what? Uh, I put that up there for everybody to see just, just for entertainment purposes, right? So uh, the audio of every show is uh, posted on my YouTube account, so if you want to listen there, I'm going to try to experiment with some uh, – Video from the podcast I put up there as well. Um, was going to do that on the last episode, and uh, the video did not work out. So I'm uh, going to try it again, and hopefully have some some video of the actual podcast taking place there on my YouTube account, which is YouTube.com slash user slash Pararality one. That's Pararality with the number one on the end of it. That's YouTube.com slash user slash one, and of course. You can always still call me on the studio line at 615-692-1170 and leave me a message. Um, just remember that if you do call and decide to leave me a message, that uh, doing so is giving me permission to play your, your comment or question or whatever back on the podcast. So if you don't want me to do that, you need to let me know somewhere in your message. And I'm always looking for interesting stories to tell on the podcast. So if you got a story you'd like to get on the show and you want to tell it to me over voicemail, go ahead, call that number, 615-692-1170. There's a three-minute time limit. If you run out of time, call back and pick up where you left off. So those are all the different ways that you can contact me here on the show or follow me here on my social media accounts. I'll go over those very briefly one more time. Email sandman at parareality.com. Find me on Facebook by going to Facebook.com slash sahinmahan.parareality. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Parareal Radio on both of those. At Parareal Radio on Instagram and Twitter. Find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash parareality one. Or call that studio line at 615-692-1170 and leave me a message. So those are all the different ways you can contact me here on the show or follow me on my social media accounts. So getting on to part three of this series of the Nashville Bomber, trying to separate some facts from fiction and trying to bring you the latest news as they come to light as I find out what's going on. Man, this case just gets more and more bizarre the more you learn about it. So, Anthony Quinn Warner, he was the man that uh, blew himself up on Christmas Day and uh, destroyed about a block of historic downtown Nashville with him. God, I, just, I, I that is just so tragic. I, I hate that just as much as I do everything else with that. So, Anthony Quinn Warner told the 29-year-old California woman who he signed his home over to that he planned to spend the holidays, and I quote, in the woods with his dogs. Now, if you remember on uh, part two of this series, I said that he had uh, signed his uh, home over to an un, uh, unidentified woman uh, back in November that her name was her uh signature was not on any of the documents that he signed his home over to her on did it for no money and um her her name wasn't wasn't released at that point in time well i've since found out her name and it looks like um that that i was right in in my assumption that he was that he knew this lady was somehow connected to her so Warner laid out his plans in a cryptic November letter to a woman by the name of Michelle Swing. That was the, the lady's name who he recently signed over his ownership of not one but two homes without any documented exchange of money, zero dollars. Warner wrote in his letter to her that he, quote, intended to travel on Christmas Eve to spend a few weeks in the woods with his dogs. Now, Warner is believed to have previously had a relationship of some sort with Michelle Swing's mother, but I don't know uh, at this time exactly what that relationship was. I don't know if they were friends or lovers or had they been married or, or roommates. What well, I don't know what. But he did have some sort of relationship with Michelle Swing's mother, and he had... Uh, a relationship with Michelle as well in the fact that he kept in touch with her uh, while she's been out in California and apparently they were stayed in uh, touch on a regular basis. So it appears that I was right in my speculations that Warner somehow has ties to this woman either directly or indirectly. Now Warner reportedly went on to write to swing that he was signing over a home to her But he gave her, like, vague warnings of something out of the ordinary being wrong with the basement. Uh, This is what he said, and and I'm quoting from that letter. The attic has plywood and lighting. Take a look. Um, And the basement is not normal. Take a look. Woof, woof, Julio. That's how he signed it. Woof, woof, Julio. And I'll get into that in a second. So Swing, who lives in California, has previously declined to make any comments uh, to any news media outlet, as far as I know, about um, her relationship with uh, Warner or her uh, being signed over those two homes or anything of that. I'm sure she's spoken to the authorities, but she's yet to make any type of public uh, media announcement. So, um, like I said, it appears that I was right that Warner had some sort of relationship going on with this lady, whether directly or indirectly. So whatever thing he had going on with her mother, she was uh, obviously someone that uh, meant something to him that uh, he was um, enough that he would stay in contact with her um, for several years, even though she was living all the way on the West Coast out in California. So I'm sure a lot more is to come from that. So another man who knew Christmas bomber, the Nashville bomber, Anthony Warner, he got a disturbing surprise in his mailbox on New Year's Day when he received a package from him. Now, it was a nondescript package, and it was postmarked on December the 23rd, just two days before Warner detonated the RV bomb that almost completely destroyed a historic downtown block here in Nashville. Apparently, Warner has mailed similar packages to other individuals, but I don't know who they are at this time or even how many other packages there are. I only know uh, that one package has been received. I don't know how authorities have found out that other packages were mailed. Um, that's a mystery to me. It could be that that uh, these people have received packages and have contacted the authorities. And the only one that's been released is this first one. I I don't know. Maybe they were able to find a receipt from uh, the post office. Uh, maybe they were. I mean, if you know what the postmark was, you can you know maybe find out from the post office if there were other packages that were delivered, you know, I I, I don't know. I'm sure I know there's there's got to be a way to do it. All I know is that there have been other packages that were mailed. I just don't know uh, how many or to whom they were mailed to. Now, this package that that I'm talking about here, this first package, um, it contained at least... Nine typed pages and two thumb drives and uh, of of pictures and nine typed pages of of basically all kind of ramblings. Now this was immediately turned over to the FBI. Uh, I've seen a picture supposedly of the envelope and it does not have a return address, but the rambling pages inside those those nine pages left no doubt that it was from Warner. Now. In part, I don't have uh, access to all nine pages or the images that were on the thumb drives. I just have bits and pieces of what was written. So the, the letter starts out by saying, Hey dude, you will never believe what I found in the park. And then it goes on to say somewhere, uh, The knowledge I have gained is immeasurable. I now understand everything, and I mean everything from who, what we really are to what the known universe really is. And the letter was signed by Julio, and we've already heard that name one time where he signed the letter to, um, excuse me, um, what was was her name, Michelle Swing. He signed the letter Wolf, Wolf Julio, and he also signed this letter, in this package as Julio. Now, this was a name that Warner's friends say he often used when sending them emails. And coincidentally, Warner also had a dog named Julio. So that would explain the Wolf Wolf Julio signature in Michelle Swing's letter. And it would also explain the Julio he signed his letter with that he, uh, he mailed off in all of his emails apparently he thought it was funny to make it seem like the dog was writing letters and emails I don't know I have no idea but that's pretty much how he communicated to people now this could be a sign of some sort of mental instability I have no idea um but you know it's it's easy to to take everything that we're learning and look at it with you know in hindsight and say oh yeah this this showing was shows that he was crazy that showed that he was crazy you know you just it's it's so easy to look at it in hindsight and go, yeah, we had all these clues, you know. But anyway, it's unclear right now as to uh, what has happened to Julio the dog. But it does appear that he might have been in the RV when it exploded. I've heard mention um, that uh, there was a dog that was in the RV. How they know that, I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that. Um, Know, after they figured out who it was they knew he had dogs so they were suspecting that he had the dogs with him. I don't know so for all you animal lovers out there and I'm definitely one of you it appears uh Warner was probably not the only soul that was lost in that bombing you know it injured three people didn't kill anyone but it injured three people uh everyone's out of the hospital everyone's fine Got to make a full recovery they were just minor injuries but it looks like uh Really, the only innocent life that was lost here was Julio the dog. So uh, rest in peace, Julio. You certainly didn't deserve to go out like that, if that's indeed what happened to you. So anyway, back to this letter. Now, the letter that Warner wrote urged his friend to watch some Internet videos that he had uh, put on those two uh, thumb drives that were included in the package And on another page, Warner wrote about the uh, 9-11 conspiracy theories, and he ended with a statement, the moon landing and 9-11 have so many anomalies, they are hard to count. And he later wrote that September 2011 was supposed to be the end game for the planet because that is when he believed that aliens and UFOs began launching attacks on Earth earth now I don't know if uh, that is a typo if he meant September uh, 2001 and then you'll know, the that uh, I don't know um so I don't know if he was referring to September 2011 or the September 11, 2001 attacks. Uh, and that was a typo. I have no idea. But what I have is that he wrote September 2011 was supposed to be the end game for the planet because that's when he believed that aliens and UFOs began launching attacks on Earth. So take that for what you will. I think it's, a, I think it's probably a typo. Anyway, he went on to say that the media was covering up these attacks and uh, just ramblings on and on, but uh, Warner's writings grow just so, uh, just even more bizarre when he wrote about reptilians and lizard people that he believed controlled the earth and had tweaked human DNA. So he said about that, that, um, and I'm quoting here, quote, they put a switch into the human brain, so they could walk among us and appear human. I don't know what in the f he's talking about with a switch in the human brain. That would mean that he would they would have to have secretly operated on all of us humans and put a switch in our brain somehow. Uh, I don't know. Genetic modification in vitro. I I don't know, but that's that's so so bizarre. Um. His writings cover just a variety of bizarre theories uh, like the September 2001 conspiracy theories, the moon landings, uh, UFO attacks, the reptilians, uh, stuff like that. Um, he never mentions at and or anything else that appears to suggest what his motive was in the Nashville bombing as far as I can ascertain. Now, he did write extensively about perception and added that everything is an illusion and that there is no such thing as death. So maybe he looked at uh, this as he was um, going to be some sort of martyr or be reborn as some sort of higher form, some sort of higher consciousness. Maybe he thought he had achieved so much enlightenment that uh, going out this way was his way of, of uh, you know, Achieving uh, uh, that higher plane of existence, I don't know. So it does not appear that he believed that uh, death is the the very end for everything. Um, Authorities believe that this guy, first of all, he was sixty three years old. So I'm not saying that he had one foot in the grave. He was an older gentleman. He was a loner. which that in and of itself isn't isn't bad. But once again, it's being able to look at these things, you know, in hindsight, and you put that together with, you know, all the other little subtle clues that he was he was leaving behind, and you can say, yeah, this all adds up. But anyway, he was 63 years old. He was a loner, and the authorities say that uh, he also spent time hunting for alien life forms in a nearby state park. Now, they didn't mention what state park, Nashville is close to several state parks, and Tennessee has some of the most beautiful state parks that you'll ever see. Uh, Smoky Mountains is right up the road. You know, um, We've got uh, Cedars of Lebanon uh, right down uh, just less way less uh, maybe 30 minutes from Nashville. Um, there's uh, so many. State Park Fall Creek Falls is uh, less than two hours from Nashville. Uh, there's just I could go on and on naming some of these these parks um, but Nat, Tennessee has a bunch of beautiful state parks. He could have been going anywhere to look for for aliens here in Tennessee. I have no idea. Um, the one of the special agents from the uh, FBI, Jason Pack, he says this, that, and i quoting him, we're aware the suspect sent materials which espoused his viewpoints to several acquaintances throughout the country. We're asking those who receive these to contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. So if you are one of those people and you receive a package from Anthony Quinn Warner, please contact the FBI, 1-800-CALL-FBI. If you just so happen to be one of those people who listens to this podcast, chances of that are probably about as close to zero as you can get. But, hey, you know, i got to be responsible here. You know, I, I feel that it is my job to, uh, you know, help separate fact from fiction in, in this. Um, so, yeah, if if you happen to know anything about this case, call the FBI, one 800 call FBI. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room, or should I say the lizards in the room, the the reptilians, the lizard people. Now, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you are probably very familiar with the reptilian theory or the lizard people theory. So just in case there may be some people out there who are listening that, uh, don't know what the reptilians don't know who the reptilians are are the lizard people. Uh, I'm going to very briefly give you a quick history lesson on the reptilians. So, people believe that there are actually reptilian alien life forms among us, blood drinking, flesh eating, shape shifting, extraterrestrial reptilian humanoids with only one objective in their cold-blooded little hearts, and that's to enslave the human race. They can shapeshift to whatever form that they want, so they have insinuated themselves by doing this into our lives. They are our leaders, our corporate executives our beloved Oscar-winning actors and Grammy-winning singers, and they're responsible for things like the Holocaust, the Oklahoma City bombing, the 9-11 attacks, any bad thing in history, it's the direct result of the reptilians. And that is according to former BBC sports reporter David Icke. He has become the leader for this theory uh, since 1998 after he published his first book called The Biggest Secret. And this book contained uh, all kinds of just bizarre theories about reptilians, but one of the most bizarre things was that he uh, interviewed two Brits who claimed that members of the royal family are nothing more than reptiles with crowns, that they have shape shifted and insinuated themselves somehow into the royal family and that they're, you know, using that to influence Britain. Now, David Icke, like I said, he's a former BBC sports reporter. Uh, most famously known now for his conspiracy theories involving the reptilians. Uh, He's a New Age philosopher. For a long time, for some strange reason, he only wore turquoise and insisted on being called Son of Godhead. Don't ask me why. I'm not a big follower of David Icke. I don't know everything I need to know about him, or the reptilians for that matter. I mean, I, I know... uh, uh, look at what I do, right? So there's no way I can't know about the reptilians. I just not, uh, I don't subscribe to this conspiracy theory, so I'm not going to follow that very, very closely. Um, But one of the things that he says is that the the reptilians are actually uh, Anunnaki and that they've controlled humankind since ancient times. Um, And they count among their number... uh, Queen Elizabeth, George W. Bush, Henry Kissinger, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Bob Hope, Barack Obama, Donald Rumsfeld, Madonna, Katy Perry, and Angelina Jolie, just to name a handful. Now, of course, I am uh, a Sitchinite. I follow uh, the teachings of Zechariah Sitchin. And um, according to Sitchin, if you follow him and believe what, what he says, uh, the Anunnaki are not reptilians. So that's where he and uh, a lot of the other ancient astronaut uh, theorists will butt heads with David Aiki. Uh, David Icke says that the Anunnaki are reptilians, and they absolutely are not. I don't believe for one single moment that they are reptilians. The Anunnaki is uh, translated from Sumerian as uh, "those from heaven to earth came," meaning they came from space, from a different planet, star people, if you will. So, uh, yeah, but they are not reptilians. So I have to respectfully disagree with David Icke. So he also encroaches onto other conspiracy theorist territory. He he even claims that lizard people or the reptilians are behind secret societies like the Freemasons and the Illuminati. Um, He earned the title of Paranoid of the Decade back in the the late 1990s uh, after his book came out, so 98, 99. uh, He's written, I don't know how many books on this topic, let's just say several. Um, And of course, all the while he... He runs his own website, complete with merchandise and sells advertisements on it and all that other sorts of stuff. He's been on several uh, conspiracy theory shows, uh, on t- television, uh, radio, podcasts, stuff like that. Um, he's just, he's this is how he makes his living with this reptilian conspiracy theory mumbo-jumbo nonsense crap. Now, if you look at the forum on Aki's website, there are, Numerous posts either telling people how to uh, spot lizard people or asking how can you spot a lizard person from a regular person, and it just so happens, and you're not going to believe this, but I can't. You just cannot make this shit up. There's a guy by the name of Philip Bump. He is uh, a self acclaimed lizard person scholar, but he's also a writer for the Washington Post. That's right, a reporter, a writer for the Washington Post, Philip Bump. He is one of the top reptilian journalists on the planet. And this guy uh, made up a handy-dandy guide that listed the – Ways that you can identify a reptilian. Now, I have seen this list. It's pretty extensive. I am not going to uh, go over the list in its entirety. However, I am pulling out some of the top key things to look for if you want to identify someone as a reptilian. So... Here are ways that you can determine if people you know, if your friends, acquaintances, even your loved ones, could possibly be a reptilian. First of all, they need to have green eyes. They need to have really good eyesight and really good hearing. They need to have red hair a sense of not belonging to the human race, unexplained scars on the body, a love of space and low blood pressure. Uh, They also need to have a love of... uh, When it says the love of space, it's also talking about love of sciences. (coughs) Excuse me. Um... Which, you know, apparently if you're Irish, you're a a reptilian. (laughs) You're screwed if you're Irish. How many Irish people have red hair and green eyes? A lot. A lot of them. So, are they reptilian? Are they lizard people? No, absolutely not. And as far as unexplained scars on the body, like uh, how are you going to have an unexplained scar on the body? I can explain every scar that I've got. And even if I got it in some mysterious something or other, or if I, for some weird reason, can't remember how I got my scar, I can always make something up. So how do you, how do, you do an unexplained scar? It's like, hey, dude, how'd you get that scar? How many times have you ever asked someone, how'd you get that scar? And they're like, oh, man, I can't remember. Oh, God, I got that, you know. I was 10 or something like that. I can't really remember. Stuff like that happens, man. That doesn't mean you're a reptilian. Um, look at uh, look at Barack Obama, okay? Uh, he supposedly had eyes that change color. And that's another um, trait is that people who have eyes that change color. He also talks about... Uh, pupils being oddly shaped or whatever. Now, there are all kinds of weird things that can happen to you and you have odd-shaped pupils that doesn't make you a reptilian. But uh, Barack Obama supposedly had uh, like hazel eyes that sometimes looked green and sometimes looked a little more brown. That's quite common for people who have hazel eyes. Um, he also uh, liked the sciences and report supposedly his blood pressure was a little low, uh, which... That doesn't necessarily mean anything bad. Maybe he was just in really good shape. I mean, if you are in really good shape, you can have a low heart rate and low blood pressure, dude. You know, So it's just really, really bizarre. I don't know how this guy came up with this, and I don't know if it's like, I don't know how many of these these criteria you have to meet before you're considered to be a reptilian. It's got to be more than one, but I I don't know. I haven't... I didn't look that deep into it to find out. Maybe I should have. I don't know. So those are the ways that you can tell if someone that you know may be a reptilian. Green eyes, good eyesight, good hearing, red hair, a sense of not belonging to the human race, unexplained scars on the body, a love of space and a love of science, low blood pressure, um, oddly shaped pupils, just weird stuff. So, where do these lizard people, these reptilians, come from? Well, they're thought to primarily come from the constellation Draco, though there are some theories that these reptilians come from other systems like Sirius or Orion. But basically, it doesn't matter. They're aliens, right? They're it's an alien race, and Draco is, of course, the constellation that's allegedly shaped like a dragon or. If you go with its, uh, its Latin name, draconum, it means huge serpent. Uh, it's the eighth largest constellation. Uh, reptilians from Draco are thought to be very tall and also have retractable wings as well. So you have winged serpents, winged lizards, uh, dragons are associated with serpents. Draco in Latin is draconum, which means huge serpent. Snakes, wings, serpents, dragons. That's what I get. So are lizard people, are reptilians, are they dragons? I don't know if anyone's made that connection or not. I'm sure if I can make that connection, I'm sure other people have made it too. But anyway, there is your quick history lesson on what are the reptilians. Supposedly serpent people from Draco who shapeshift and have infiltrated everything to include our politics our world leaders, corporate executives, and our entertainment industry to try to take over the world. Now, if they can shape-shift and do all this other sorts of stuff and have all this ability, why don't they just, you know, attack us, you know, Independence Day style and be done with it? I don't I don't know. That's a million-dollar question right there. So this topic here on the Nashville bomber just slowly digressed into madness when we were talking about the lizard people but that just goes to show that's what this guy supposedly believed in was reptilians so you can see just how just bizarre that is and how far out there that actually is so if you have someone who really and truly believed in that then it's not so far fetched to think that this guy also had the gumption to you know blow himself up by making some sort of statement the thing is we still don't know why he did it we just don't have the answer to that yet and I we may not ever have that definitive answer. I'm hoping that we'll get it. I'm hoping that it's coming here pretty soon. But like I said last episode on this, you just, sometimes you just don't have an answer. And the best way to obtain it, is to talk to the person themselves and say, why did you do this? And, of course, we're not ever going to be able to do that with Anthony Quinn Warner because he blew himself up. He's in pieces, you know, on uh, 2nd Avenue downtown still. They're still, you know, sweeping his shit up off the sidewalk down there a week later. So we'll never know exactly why he did this unless there's some smoking gun, something that he left behind that says, hey, the reason I blew myself up is this. And, of course, you still have the 5G conspiracy theory uh, lurking in the background. If he believed in reptilians, it's not a stretch to think that he actually could have believed in the 5G conspiracy theory as well. And don't forget that his dad worked for his whole entire career in the telephone industry, first with Bell South, who got bought out by at and I believe, in the early 2000s. So he worked for, his, for, for AT&T for uh, just a handful of years before he retired. So it is quite distinctly possible that Warner knew what he was doing when he parked his truck there by that switching station. And, of course, it's also possible he just got, Lucky as hell, too. When I say lucky, just, I mean, you know, lucky in the fact that his location was so precise on that it took out communications for uh, how many hundreds, how many thousands of people in, uh, you know, four states, for Christ's sake, exposing a huge, huge weakness in our critical infrastructure, at least here in the Nashville area, in the Middle Tennessee area. So, you know there's there's still that unanswered question about 5G did he subscribe to this theory and if you don't know about the 5G conspiracy theory there are people out there who actually believe that 5G is the cause of or carries the virus that causes COVID-19. So, yes, there are people who believe 5G causes COVID-19. There's also people who believe that it doesn't necessarily cause COVID-19, but it transmits COVID-19. Now, you're talking about something that's, you know, uh, radio wave technologies? Not even that. I don't even know how to describe how this cellular technology is, but it's, it, it's basically electronic And they're saying that some electronic thing is carrying or causing a biologic. And that just doesn't happen. It does in the movies for sure, but that doesn't happen in real life. So that conspiracy theory is absolute bunk. But enough people across the pond in Britain believed in it that they were attacking cell phone towers and burning them down or trying to burn them down. So it's not a stretch to think, that this guy who believed in reptilians and uh, um, all these other conspiracy theories involving the moon and the September 11, 2001 attacks and all that, is is not a stretch to think that he could have been a 5G conspiracy theorist as well. And like I said, he had some knowledge of AT&T. He was an IT expert. He dealt in explosives as far back as 2013. He held a, an expl- some sort of an explosive license here in the Middle Tennessee area. He owned his own alarm company. He was not a dumb person, you know. Um, so he had access to all kinds of equipment that would have been necessary to pull this off. He had the knowledge, skills, and ability to utilize that equipment in the way that it was utilized to blow up stuff. So, I mean, there's all kinds of questions that are just going to be surrounding this. And until we get some sort of definitive answer, we're going to have nothing but speculation and conspiracy theories. And, you know, we... This may be cannon fodder for us conspiracy theorists for a long time if we can't get an answer to this. And even if we do, there are going to be those of us in the conspiracy theory world who um, just choose to not believe it. Um, because if you believe the answer, then that doesn't make for um, more speculation. right? It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't sell more shows. It, it doesn't, you know, uh, further your conspiracy theory agenda, so to speak. I don't happen to be one of those conspiracy theorists who um, who do that. You know, if, if something is solved, if there's a conspiracy theory out there and we have a definitive conclusion for it, then I, I'm like, hey, case closed. You know, put it in the record books. We're done. But there are people who just refuse to let stuff go, i.e., Alex Jones and Sandy Hook, that is probably um, uh, worse than what has happened here with uh, Warner and his reptilian conspiracy theory. You know? And who knows how that conspiracy theory tied into what he was doing when he blew himself up. Maybe he thought this was some sort of hub that the reptilians were using, that the AT&T building was the hub that uh, the reptilians were using to uh, spread their evil somehow, and he thought this was hey, this is uh, this will um, you know um, take care of the situation or or bring it to light or or something. You ever see the movie They Live with Roddy Piper from back in the eighties? Maybe he was thinking something along that those lines. And if, and if you haven't seen that movie, it is cheesy and campy, but it is oh so good at the same time. It's about just your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill guy who accidentally finds these sunglasses, and when he puts them on, he can see that the world around him is being controlled by this alien race. Now, they're not reptilians. They're some weird-looking zombie-like skeleton, skinless thing, um, but they control everything uh you see a billboard that says, uh, "You know, eat at Joe's." That it doesn't really say "eat at Joe's." Behind it is the hidden message of consume. You know, and so um, he goes on this quest to try to expose this. And um, they are they have a tele a secret television station that they're broadcasting their. Um, I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen it. They're they're broadcasting from the secret station, and somehow the signal that's being broadcast is allowing them to look like humans. But when the signal is disrupted, it exposes you know everything about uh, everything that they've been doing. So uh, maybe that's what uh, Anthony Quinn Warner was doing. And I don't think that there's anyone else in the conspiracy theory world that has made this connection with Anthony Quinn Warner and his reptilian conspiracy theory, the AT&T switching station, and this movie, They Live. Uh, I would like to know if he liked this movie. Uh, I would like to know if this had any kind of influence with him. But if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to, like me and the rest of the world, try to figure out what in the hell is going on with Anthony Quinn Warner and why did he do this? And now we have all these beliefs that have come to light with him, with the reptilians, and the reptilians supposedly control us. He blew himself up at the AT&T switching station, which contained a lot of equipment that helped us communicate both with landlines, cell phones, and Internet. Look at this movie, They Live with Roddy Piper. I think it came out in 86 or 87, something like that. But look at this movie. If you are interested in this story, you owe it to yourself to watch this movie in its entirety and take another look at the evidence in this case. And I think you'll see that there could be something to that here. He might have been trying to pull off something like Roddy Piper did in They Live. I'm telling you, That could be a connection. And if you have watched this movie and you're listening to this podcast and you're following this story, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that about does it for this third part of the Nashville bomber case. Man, let me know what you thought about it, what your thoughts and ideas about it are. Send me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or get in touch with me through my social media accounts, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Parareal Radio on, Para, on uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's at Parareal Radio. Email me, sandman at parareality.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Parareal Radio. Call the studio line, 615 692 1170. Leave me a message what you thought about this show, what you thought about my theories, what you think about. Uh, this topic right here. Uh, Don't forget to uh, visit parareality.com. That's a place where you can keep up on all the latest uh, and greatest paranormal news from all around the world. I got an entire page of the website devoted to paranormal news. It's called Paranews, and this content's updated almost on a daily basis. You can shop in the Parareality store, watch some of those uh, terrible videos that are made for the show over the years, and uh, I've got the website that's I've uh, updated it. I've added some content, moved some pages around, made it a little bit more user friendly. So uh, be sure to check out parareality.com often to keep up with not only what's going on here with the show, keep up with uh, you know all your paranormal news if you're a paranormal news ch- chunky. And if you're one of those people who don't really uh, do social media or maybe you don't have, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and you don't really want to create an account on one of those to just to follow the podcast, don't worry because I got you covered on that. There's now an entire page of Parareality.com devoted solely to my social media accounts. That's right. Every Facebook post or tweet or Instagram picture or post that I make can be found right there on my website at Parareality.com. .com so you don't have to create a social media account if you don't want to. Social media is where you can find out all about what's happening behind the scenes of the podcast because that's where I post a lot of interesting articles, show topics and all kind of other interesting stuff like my travels and my investigations and stuff like that. So there is a social media page right there on barialti.com so if you want to know what's going on in my social media world just hey Add Parareality.com to your favorites. Go visit. Check it out all the time. Yeah, there's all the time stuff being updated on there, especially on the social media accounts. Parareality can also be heard on your favorite podcast station. Just search for Parareality. And if you have a smart speaker, you can listen there too. If you have any of those already mentioned podcast skills on your device, just say, play the Parareality podcast. I've also got that YouTube account. Don't forget I've been talking about that, and you can listen to the podcast there too. All the audio from the podcast is uploaded. Uh, I've also got some great uh, videos on there, like UFO UFO and paranormal documentaries. Uh, I did a, right before COVID hit, I was doing this new segment called News of the Strange, and hashtag COVID came along, and because of my job in uh, emergency preparedness, I have not been able to... um, shoot any news of the strange seg- video segments. I hope I'm going to be able to bring that back, but it's got a, uh, what little bit, I think at three whole episodes that I did so you can watch those. And it's also got those terrible show videos that I did when I did my, uh, Parareality TV web show. That was absolutely horrible, but Hey, I put it up there for your entertainment. So if you want to find the channel, just go to youtube.com slash user slash Parareality one. And you can watch all of that stuff. And hey, let's not forget that I also have a Patreon account for the podcast, and I would love it if you'd sign up to be a patron. There are three tiers of support, and all are extremely affordable at $5 a month or less. Each level also offers exclusive content, along with the ability to help create podcast episodes and even the chance to be a guest or a co host on. The podcast. So, to learn more, head on over to patreon.com and look for Pair 100% of Patreon goes back into producing this podcast. You know, um, I don't know of anyone else that's doing uh, that on their Patreon account the ability to not only help create content for the podcast, but also the ability to appear as a guest or even as a co host. I mean, you know, lots of people listen to this podcast because they're interested in the topics that I discuss. UFOs, paranormal, ghosts, aliens, you know, conspiracy theories, you name it, all this, you know, alter, alternate, alternative topic stuff that I do. But maybe you—you you, they haven't had an encounter, but, man, they sure would love to be a co-host on the show. You know, if you're in the Nashville area, you can come in, to the bunker, and uh, be a co-host. That would be great to have an in-studio person. Now, if you live you know, out of state or whatever, I'm not going to pay for you to fly in here and come co-host on the show or anything like that, but you can damn sure call in, and I can put you on the phone, and you can co-host it that way. Now, if you just want to fly out here on your own dime, that's totally up to you, but uh, I'm not gonna do it for you. I ain't, I ain't got that kind of money, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know of anyone else that's doing stuff like this. So, like I said, just if you if you like the show, if you like the content, but you haven't had an experience, if you but you would like to be a co-host, come on, man, join join the Patreon account. I call it the Agents of Chaos, K A O S. Now, uh, I had a back in the day. I had a fan club, and it was called Chaos, K-A-O-S, Knowledgeable Apprentices of Sandman. This was not my doing. This was fans of the show who got together, and they put together a fan club, and that's what they called it, was Chaos. Well, uh, that was before, um, that was when I retired off of Light 365 in 2007, so it's been a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Um, when I came back and I started doing podcasting in 2009, um, I uh, haven't done anything with the fan club because it kind of like had disappeared. Right. But uh, I contacted the, uh, the president of the fan club that, that was back then. And I asked her, Hey, do you mind if I bring back chaos in the form of, of Patreon and uh, she was like, absolutely go for it, you know. So, uh, yeah, if, if you join Patreon, doesn't matter what level you, you join, there's a, a $1 a month, a $3 a month, and a $5 a month level. Very, very, very affordable, right? So no matter what level you join at, you will be considered an agent of chaos. And I think that is very cool. So if you want to become an agent of chaos, head on over to patreon.com slash and join there and you too can be an agent of chaos. As at each level gets uh, different stuff, you get swag, you get uh, access to. Excuse me, I just did a burp there and it came from nowhere. I'm so sorry, that was just disgusting. I apologize for my unprofessionalism. You join the at whatever level you have the ability to listen to uh, secret podcasts that I have only for the agents of chaos. You get swag. Like I said, you can be a co-host or a guest. Uh, you can help to create podcast episodes, and what I mean by that is you will have input as to, hey, this is the topic that I think we should talk about next. So there's, I don't know of anyone else that's really doing that with their Patreon stuff. Most people are doing stuff like, oh, you get this special swag, or you get to listen, you know, to this Patreon only episode or you get to listen to this episode before everybody else does. They're doing stuff like that, but they're not offering the ability to help create content. They're not offering the ability to appear as a guest on the show to be able to tell your story. And they're not offering the ability to uh, come on the show and actually be A co-host. So I think that sets me apart from everybody else. So if if you really would like to have any of those opportunities, head on over to patreon.com slash parareality and uh, become an agent of chaos. Well, everybody, so like I said, that does it for this episode of Parareality. Send me an email, sandman at parareality.com. Let me know what you thought about it. Or you can send me a tweet at Parareal Radio on Twitter. You can get in touch with me on Instagram. Same same username at Parareal Radio. You can comment on the Facebook page. Just look for uh, just go to facebook.com slash sandman.parareality to join the the Facebook page. And you, there's all kind of different ways to get in contact with me to let me know you know what you thought about this episode. Give me your thoughts. Give me your give me some theories. Just tell me what you think about my theory. I uh, would, you know, good, bad in between. I always like to hear from the people who listen to the show. And of course, don't forget you can always call the studio line, 615-692-1170. And leave me a message. You got three minutes to do so. If you run out, just call back and pick up where you left off. But remember, if you're going to leave me a message, that's giving me permission to play that back on the air. If you don't want me to do that, you need to tell me in the message that you don't want me to play that back. All right, so unless I get some sort of new breaking con, you know, news, the next episode of Reality is still scheduled to be on January 15th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. I've done three episodes of the Nashville bombing in a week. There may be something that comes up during during this next week here that I had to do another episode on, but the next scheduled episode is January 15th at eight o'clock PM central U S time. So make sure you turn on tune in and find out if I have any breaking news that I feel like I need to do an extra podcast on, you know that I will. And you know, I'll let you know about it and you know, I'll post it up on all of the podcast platforms. So that about does it for this evening. Everyone, I hope that this podcast opened up your minds to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you've had a wonderful evening. I hope you gained some info from this. And I will see you again in two weeks. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.